Welcome. Welcome to Bible Coach Church. My name is Chad. If you got to catch a little, little jam coming in, this is, uh, this is how we do it. This is our series. And uh, we're changing things up a little bit. There's, I, I, even from behind, when Chris said, go ahead and greet, I saw a little bit of confusion. So I was really like, so the head's kind of tilt, like, what's going on? Right? So we are continuing this series, and this is how we do it. Uh, and uh, we're, we're jumping into communion. The series is really is about worship. We, we've, Chris kicked us off last week, and uh, here's, here's this idea. As we come into to service, right, uh, there are those of us who have been at church a long time. It's, it's good to remember why we're here and what we do and why we do it, right? There are some people who come into church and this may be their first time, and I don't know if you've ever walked into to something for the very first time, and had no clue of what was going on around you, right? You're just like, uh, there's some really strange things happening. And you're just kind of, so we're, we want to help everybody out, kind of reaffirming and, and do some teaching with that. This idea that as we come in here, this whole, we call this our worship service. So songs aren't just worship. We, this is our worship service. And so uh, when we worship God through all these ways, there's a cool thing that happens. He makes himself known to us again. As we worship God, the more we worship, in every way we worship, he makes himself known to us again. And he re-engages us with the gospel of Jesus, right? He engages our hearts with that idea. And um, he, he reaffirms our identification in him. And for, for a person who maybe accepts Christ for the first time, he, he, he lets us know his, that our identification in Christ. And when he does that, then he sends us out on mission to go do his ministry uh, throughout this world. This is an awesome thing. And so today, we're talking about taking communion and this idea of participating in the death and, and sacrifice of Christ, okay, as we participate in it, in order to remember the reason why we did it. This is, this is how we do it. This is the idea of uh, communion. So um, the song, this is how we do it, and it's, it's, it's this kind of fun uh, 90s thing. Uh, I have the most 90s thing on, I, I have, okay, and it's this, my class ring. 91, right here, baby, that's it. 91, 90s, when you bought a ring for way too much and wore it way too little. That's it, this is, that. my mom and dad, bless their heart, spent way too much money on that ring for as much as I use it, right? I, I was trying to figure out what, kind of, what, what can I wear in 90s, and I thought, class ring, I know where it's at, it still fits. Yes, Right? Good thing. So uh, as we kind of par- jump into this, um, I was kind of thinking 90s and different stuff. Here's, here's what came to me is that like, like communion is a weird thing. If you have not grown up in church, communion is a weird thing. We, we, you take a little piece of, of little like chip or hardly a cracker, right? And a little like not even a sip of, that's not even a sip to me. That's like, that's, that's, uh, part of a gulp, not even close. Um, and, and, and we do this and we make this big deal about it. And so it's like a very solemn moment. 
If you've just walked into this, you're like, I don't know, what is going on? Like, okay, do I take one or do I take two? Is I, am I trying to get full on this? Um, you know, what's going on? So I thought, you know, what are, what are some odd pairings that you really had to be in the 90s to understand? Okay? So I thought, and some of these kind of into the 80s, into the 90s. Um, so uh, first, just to kind of catch you up on me, uh, you know the 90s were, was, a, was a big transition year, right? I mean, if you, if you culturally wise, big transition out of the 80s into the 2000s, um, a lot of stuff, music, everything kind of really changed. And my life was a, like, I, I was raised in the 70s and 80s, but I really matured and grew up in the 90s. So as, as I was thinking about that, and so in the 90s for me, it was graduation from high school, heading to college to play football, uh, getting engaged, getting married, and having kids. All that happened in the 90s. So from 90 to 99, my life is drastically different. Okay, so I'll give you a little glimpse uh, of me in, in 1990. Yeah, baby. Hair feathered, part in the middle. You can't see the back, but it actually touches my collar in the back. Right, so... Um, that was, that was my favorite shirt, my bum equipment shirt. Uh, bought it at Brass Buckle on Main Street. Yes. That was my favorite shirt. Um, my wife hates this picture because she hates that hairstyle. So when my hair gets too long, I always threaten that I'm going to start parting in the middle again, and then she cuts it for me. So <laughs> take two ninety five with a couple of young kids getting engaged. My engagement pictures, I know. I know you're on for her. Um, I realize that. That's okay. So that's, you know, big change. 90 to, like 90 to 95, that's a big difference between single, married, and, and if I could show you, you know, I don't have a picture. I, I didn't even think about it, but 98, uh, no one was born. Huge transitions, okay? So we, we, I know there's some things that go through that. So odd pairings and in the 90s that you might, uh, you might remember. Anybody know how these two go together? Right? This, what's this called? It's not a pencil. This is the manual rewind and fast forward and the fix it right there. You get in that and get that fix right there. Oh, yeah, you can turn it. That's what that, I see that all the time on, on Facebook. I'm like, oh, I know what that is. Right? You got to pull it out. If it breaks, you, you tape it back together and, and wind it back in. Okay, so you got to know that. And speaking of 90s, it's point of grace right there. My jam in the 90s, my jam was, was Garth Brooks in the 90s, Rope in the Wind. That was, my, that was my thing. Um, if you go back to the 80s for me, then it's like uh, Night Ranger and Def Leppard. And I, I had a lot of transitions in music. So, next thing, ladies. What's the, what, how do these two go together? Uh-huh. Some of you know, some of you wore this right here, right? Woo! You got books, you know. There's a reason our ozone was in trouble. It wasn't anything we're doing now. It was because of this in the 80s and 90s. Right here. Right? And of course, the, this brush came out. You know, this is, right? So you got this. Transition really into then kind of the early mid-90s. Anybody recognize how this pack and this thing go together? Right? This is a Discman, right? When they first came out, this discipline was $120 in like 91, 90, 91. I know because we had one person on our football team who had it. And when you traveled with this, you better travel with this. Because they ate through, bat like this is, this is uh, members mark Sam's quality batteries. This is like twice the battery that we had in the early 90s. Energizer. Energizer, copper tops, all that stuff. 
Even the best quality were junk compared to what we have now. And these things went through them like crazy. And then when you, when you had these things, right, you, you walk like this. Because they skipped, like the, before the buffer. So if you were in the, you were in the bus, listening to it, and the buff, bus gun does this, you're like, oh, I just missed it. And someone bumps you, you. Like you didn't run with these. I could run with my, walk, with my, my Walkman cassette player. That wasn't a problem. Discman, though, no, that didn't. You, you had to be real smooth with the Discman. We had some odd pairings. And this, <clears throat> this little chunk of bread and this little juice, if you're not familiar with it, <clears throat> Feels like a very odd pairing, especially um, in church. Like, what is it about? So today, this, this evening, I really want to hammer in, and that is the, the, uh, the where, the what, the why, and the how of our communion, of why we worship God and, and, and how this whole thing leads us into worship of God, because it is a very worship-centered task that we take on when we take communion. Okay, let me pray for us and we'll jump into this. Jesus, we are so grateful for your love and for your grace with us, for your forgiveness, for you coming to earth and being worth our worship. I pray that these words would be yours. I pray that Holy Spirit, you would um, embed them in our hearts from your scripture and that you would guide us and teach us in this, Father. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. We're going to be in four different sets of scriptures, and they're in your uh, bulletin um, today, uh, beginning in Acts 2.42, and uh, I want to begin with the where. Where do we do communion? Okay, just kind of, kind of start with the light, the light part of it, and just kind of, you know, what is, why, why is it we do it here? Can we do it anywhere else? Scripturally speaking, where did they take communion? Where's it come in at? So we're going to look clear back to the beginning of, of the early church. This is following Peter's, uh, this is following Pentecost and the Holy Spirit came down on, on the disciples, on the apostles. And, and Peter preaches his first Christ-centered sermon. This is the, the beginning of the church. He says like more than 3,000 people came. And, and this is what it says about the early church. Starting at 42, it says, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread, that is communion, and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. Where did the disciples uh, break bread? It said in their homes. But it also talks about they broke bread everywhere. Temple courts. I, I've got to imagine, I, I love reading scripture in that I've read that, I don't know how many times I've read that section of scripture. And I completely miss this idea that they met in the temple courts. 3,000 plus. It's like if 3,000 people met in our parking lot. They came to the Jewish temple as, as Christian Jews and they met together. I think that, I find that amazing. And whenever they met together, something they did was they broke bread. They broke bread together. Every time they were in community, wherever that community led them, they broke bread. And so the, the question is, where are you in community? I, I hope your community is more than just right here. 
I hope this isn't the extent of your Christ-centered community because it, it, there's so much deeper levels of community than just here. And here, our community is pretty spread out. You don't get a chance to really engage too much. That's why we push life groups so much. That's why we, why we push community so much because we read in Scripture, in community, they came together, and they broke bread together. They held communion together. And this is a very important task. This is a very important thing that they do in the way they worship. They worshiped together everywhere they went. So, what is communion? Mark 14, 22. This is uh, Jesus is in the uh, upper room. This is getting ready for Passover, getting ready for him to be crucified. Uh, he's going to be, he's heading into Jerusalem. And this is, the, the, we call this the Last Supper. The last time as a, as a group they ate together. And, and this is where communion, as we know it, is kind of first laid out, Okay. Uh, starting in verse 22, it says, while they were eating, Jesus took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and gave it to his disciples. And he said to them, take it, this is my body. Then he took the cup, and when he had given thanks, he gave it to them, and they all drank from it. This is my blood of my covenant, which is poured out for many, he said to them. So we got a couple things here. We have a cup, which would have been wine at that time, and we had the bread, and it had been a loaf of bread that they broke open, right? So when we look at the bread, it, it talks about it being the body of Christ. Um, I find this just, just fascinating to think about the, this bread. Uh, often I hear people talk about the, the bread um, being broken and broken like Jesus' body, and that's not, that's not quite right, okay? Uh, this bread, this symbol, this idea that this is Jesus' body for us. Well, what does Jesus' body do for us? What, what, why was it important for Jesus' body? Because it was the thing that absorbed the punishment for us. Jesus' body took the punishment. His body took the shame of the cross. His body, took, his body took the humiliation of being crucified, of being flogged, of being spit on, of having his clothes gambled for. He took all of the shame, all the humiliation, and all the punishment that our sin deserves. He took it upon himself, and he became sin for us. His body became the embodiment of sin, of rebellion to God for us. Now, when I, when I think of bread, now we're coming up to Thanksgiving, right? And bread's important to Thanksgiving, right? Breaking bread, we've, we've done this for years and years and years. You just maybe didn't realize it. Like, the breaking bread, dinner rolls, breaking them open, and they're kind of steaming the middle, that's good stuff, right? What do you do with a, a dinner roll uh, on Thanksgiving? What, what's the purpose of the dinner roll? I know you put some butter on it, but really what's its purpose? Eat it, but what do you do with it before you eat it? Ah, there you, this, yes. You're cleaning the plate. You're helping the person who's got clean plates. You're making sure you're getting all that goodness, right? There's the mashed potatoes and gravy. There's the ham juice. There's the turkey juice, like the green bean stuff. You know, you're making sure you're getting it all together, and you're absorbing that with the bread, right? See, all you guys are like salivating. You're like, well, we need, you need to get done now because we've got to go eat, right? You, you absorb all that in. That's like, God, that's like Jesus' body. He absorbed everything around that, that was put on us. In fact, that bread becomes the meal. And a, a lot of Middle Eastern cultures, uh, even uh, uh, Latino cultures, they, they eat with bread. 
They don't have a bowl of food or a plate of food. They don't have silverware. Uh, not because they can't have it, because they're, they eat with the bread. They, they absorb the liquid, they scoop up the food, and that's what they eat it with. This bread that we take absorbed the punishment that was due for us. It absorbed it to the point where it became the punishment. It became the thing, the symbol of our punishment, the sin for us. God laid on him all of our sin. And it broke him. Not physically. No bones are broken. That was prophesied clear back in, in Old Testament times. But what it broke was his, was his, his, his union with the Father. When he became sin, God had to turn his back on him. And Jesus cries out from the cross, why have you forsaken me? My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And the union is broken. The union that, that in, the, in us is broken from the Father, Jesus takes on and, then a, and, and it breaks from him. And he is separated from God. Now, that separation, that, that, that putting on the sin, that, that, that punishment that he, that he took, requires more than just punishing. It requires death. When in, in times of sacrifice, um, we go clear back to Adam and Eve. The first thing that God does when Adam and Eve sin, and, and they've had the conversation, is that God sacrifices an animal, takes the skin, and he, and he wraps and covers the shame of Adam and Eve. That's the first sacrifice. As an animal sacrifice, he, he spilt his blood to cover the shame of Adam and Eve's sin. And we see it all the way through the first covenant of, of sacrificing of animals and, and, and through Moses, uh, through Abraham and the Moses where um, they take the animal and, and the priest lays the sin onto the animal. And you don't just take the animal and kind of beat it up a few times, right? You don't just kind of smack it around. That doesn't do it. You have to spill its blood. You have to kill it because... The reason we're being punished is because we've chosen death over life. God is life, and we chose to rebel against God, which means we've chosen death. And the only way to correct that is to add life, and that blood represented the life. That's, that's why they call it the life blood. We know that's where life is at in an animal. So it requires the spilling of blood, which is why we have the cup. This represents God's, uh, Jesus' blood that he spilled for us. And, and as, 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 a, as a beverage, grape juice, whether grape juice or grape wine or whatever, um, when you extract this from its fruit, the fruit is done. You take grapes and you put them through a press and the liquid flows out of it. It's no, they're not grapes anymore. They're, they're pulp and they're juice. And, and Jesus went to the cross and he was beaten and he was bruised and he was, he was battered and he was humiliated. And he went to the cross and he died and they took his spear and they put it to his side and, and out of him flowed blood and water. And he was done. He, was, he, he physically was dead. And it flowed out of him like, like, like grape juice out of a press. And remember that this blood is required required to satisfy the punishment for our death. It's the sacrifice that Jesus gave um, for us. 
and then it is the symbol of the new covenant. That blood now becomes a symbol of the new covenant in the same way that um, back in Jewish times that the, the, if you sinned, you sacrificed an animal and that blood covered that one sin because that, that animal wasn't perfect and there's, the priest who, who did it wasn't perfect. Now the Jesus Jesus' blood, because he is perfect, because he is holy, now covers all of our sins. And that is the new covenant. Before, you had to do it every time. Now, that sacrifice is once and for all for those who are in Christ. His blood shed on the cross covers us. He says, take this and remember that. Why do we take it? Why do we do it? That's, that's what it is. That's what the cup is. That's what the bread is. So why do we take it? Uh, 1 Corinthians 10, 16. Says this. Is not the cup of thanksgiving for which we have given, which, for which we give thanks, a participation in the blood of Christ? And is not the bread that we break a participation in the body of Christ? Because there's one loaf, we who are many are for our one body, for we are all share the one loaf. How much is it worth? How much is this bread? How much is, is what this bread and what this cup represents worth? That's what we said worship was, right? Worship is worth-ship. That's where the word worship comes from. It's ascribing worth to something. When we worship God, we're ascribing worth. How much is that cup and that bread worth? How much is it worth what Jesus did for us to give us that bread and that cup. See, we do this to remember. We do this to keep fresh the whys of our faith. Why do we come to church? Why do we have community? Why do we take communion? Why do we give offerings? Why do we, why do we study the Bible? Why do we pray? Why do we do all these things? Why do we hear messages? Why do we, why do we study and, and talk and do all these things? Why do we do it? It's a good question and we have to ask ourselves all the time. And the, and the why behind uh, why we come to Jesus as the one who can forgive us is something we need to make sure that we always hold fresh. It's because of his body beaten, his blood spilled. He's the only one ever in history, God coming to earth as flesh, the king allowed himself to be sacrificed for man. He's the only one to ever do that out of any religious story, organization, Jesus Christ is the only one who came to us when we couldn't come to him. And he sacrificed his body, he sacrificed his blood, and he became sin for us so that we could come back to him. And we need to make sure that we always keep that in our mind as we take, as we remember communion. And I, I will tell you, um, it's good for uh, you to ask yourself that a lot. Um, I have, as a youth minister, then I have a lot of people who, who ask me, what, what age should I, I baptize my kids? And number one is, like, I, I don't know. Depends on your kids. Um, do they understand? If they do and, and they're ready for it, then go for it. The biggest question isn't when they get baptized, but are you continually asking them why they got baptized? As they grow, are you continually asking them and making sure they understand why they did what they did and what that means? Every time we take communion, are you asking yourself, why am I taking this? What does this mean for me? What does it mean, scripturally speaking? Why we do this? Keeps us our our, our faith fresh, and it remembers us. We do it to remember, but we also do it to be remembered. 
when we sin, when we sinned, we dismembered ourselves from the Father. We separated ourselves. We chose it. And we're dismembered from the Father, from life. And when we choose Christ, we get to be remembered. We get to be put back together. Do you hear the last part of that scripture? It says, and not, um, it says, because there is one loaf, we who are many are one body, for we all share the one loaf. As a family, when we come together and we share in communion together, when we share in the loaf together, we are, we are being put back together as the body. We're being remembered as the body. Not awesome? To come back together, and not only with this body, with the body. When we, when we share in communion, we are being remembered with the body of Christ globally. With our brothers and sisters, wherever they're at, we're being put back together as the body of Christ. And we do it to participate. We, we, we do communion so that we can align ourselves with Jesus. We participate in his body. We participate in his blood. We participate in his death so that we can participate in his resurrection. We, we, we declare to the world that I, I believe in Jesus Christ. My life is in his life, and he is my Lord, and he is my Savior. That's what we declare when we take this cup and this bread. We declare that he became sin so that we could become holy. So how do we take it? Um, this is a longer bit of scripture. Uh, we're gonna be in 1 Corinthians uh, 11, 17 through 34. We're gonna break this down a little bit. We're gonna kind of walk through this. Because it, it's important to understand not only why we do it, but, but how we do it well, how to do it well, okay? So the first part here, it says this. Um, for, starting in verse 17, it says, in the following directives, I have no praise for you. Corinthians, we're, we're struggling in, in the taking of communion. It says, for you, your meetings do more harm than good. In the first place, I hear that when you come together as a church, there are divisions among you, and to some extent, I believe it. No doubt there have to be differences among you to show which of you have God's approval. So then, when you come together, it is not the Lord's supper you eat. For when you are eating, some of you go ahead on your, with your own private suppers. As a result, one person remains hungry, and another gets drunk. Don't you have homes to eat and drink in? Or do you despise the church of God by humiliating those who... Who have nothing. What shall I say to you? Shall I praise you? Certainly not in this matter. They were coming to, G they were coming to community to, to worship Jesus in, in unbelievably selfish ways, with selfish actions. They were coming and, and, and eating their own meals. They were bringing their, like their own picnic and just huddling up together in groups and eating their own thing and, and, to the, and gorging to the point where they were stuffed and drunk on their wine and somebody else was beside them having nothing. You understand the stark contrast to 242 where everyone shared in the possessions and everyone sold things to come together and do this? There was division among them and, and this person over here was, was making sure that they had their thing and they enjoyed, but this person they had nothing and there was no sharing, there was no community together. They just, it was just a mockery. A mockery of, the, of, of communion, a mockery of the death of Christ. 
I witnessed this one time, actually in this church, when I was in high school. I think it was high school or first year of college. And I would say, it was kind of in, I was in this area here, and you guys didn't do that, okay? So it, think of like, eight, like 91, 92, right? Back in this area here, I was sitting with uh, some people I knew, and uh, they had some family with them, and, and there was an uncle, and he was from out of town. I was a family that, that was, in the, was big in this church, and, and, and he kind of lived his own life. But it was, he was, his family came here, so he came here. And, and I, as I passed the, the, um, the plate and the, and the communion, um, I, I watched him eat it. And I hadn't been a Christian for very long. And it was, it, it was wild to watch because he just took the, the thing of bread and he kind of looked across this and he just kind of smiled and he, it was just an eerie smile. And he just scooped up a bunch and popped it in his mouth and was just chewing like it was no big deal. And he passed it on. He kind of chuckled and laughed about it and took the down one cup like a shot and passed it on. And I, I don't believe that God like strikes us with lightning every time we do something wrong. But I, I did like, ooh. You know, I just kind of, in my heart, I was like, there's something so wrong with the attitude that he had toward this communion. And I don't fully understand what it is, but it just struck, I had never seen someone so blatantly and so flippantly mock God just like that. And I, I imagine this church full of people who are just, there, there's such division, there's such selfishness within it. And, and so Paul goes on to say, he says, for I received from the Lord what I also passed to you. The Lord Jesus on his night was betrayed, took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, this is my body which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. The same way after supper, he took the cup saying, this is the cup, the, this, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. For whenever you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim Lord's death until he comes. He starts laying and he goes, listen guys, this is how you're doing this and it's wrong. Your attitudes, your actions, the division among you is, is wrong because when you drink it, you participate in the death of Christ. You proclaim Jesus' death for your sins. You proclaim that Jesus is the only one who could die for your sins, and he's the only way to the Father. And when you do that, then there's, there's problems if you're not right. Because he goes on to say, so whoever... Whoever eats the bread or drinks the cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty of sinning against the body and the blood of the Lord. Everyone ought to be examined, ought to examine themselves before they eat of the bread and drink from the cup. For those who eat and drink without discerning the body of Christ eat and drink judgment on themselves. This is why many, of you, many among you are weak and sick and a number of you have fallen asleep. But if we were more discerning with regard to ourselves, we would not come under such judgment. Nevertheless, when we are judged in this way by the Lord, we are being disciplined so that we will not be found, so, when, so we will not be finally condemned with the world. He says, you need to stop it. He says, there are consequences. When you come to worship Jesus, when you come to worship God, and your attitude and your action is, is, is off the charts wrong. And it's all about our relationships with each other. This idea, if we are not right with one another, because this, we're talking the second greatest commandment, love one another right? As we love the Lord, we are to love one another. If there's an issue, if you know of someone who has an issue with you, if you know you've wronged somebody, if you know there's a thing, he's saying, you've got to come together. This, this idea of communion is about remembering us. 
putting us back together as the body because Jesus died for that to happen. And when we do this and, and we've, we've, not, we've not made it right between ourselves, then we just mock what Jesus did for us. There are consequences to unworthy worship. There are consequences to flip, flippant mockery of Jesus' death on the cross. Paul says, even says, hey, there's some among you that are physically feeling the consequences of this. And he just, he, he lays it out there, he challenges them. You've got to get it right with one another. And that's really our challenge, isn't it? If we, if we know we have something, that somebody has something against us, you've got to make it right. Why? He goes on to say, so then my brothers and sisters, when you gather to eat, you should all eat together because we are one loaf we are together as one family anyone who's hungry should eat something at home so that when you meet together it may not result in judgment and when I come I'll give further directions be prepared when you walk in here to take communion Paul says be prepared to come and worship together as the body be prepared to take the cup and to take the bread because Jesus paid everything to make that real. It's all about our actions. It's all about our attitudes of worship because God has given us a, a mission of reconciliation. That's our mission, right? Uh, Jesus came so that we could be reconciled with him. And, and in doing so, then we, be, we can be reconciled with one another in order that we can help them be reconciled with God. There's a circle in it, a discipleship circle, where as we come to the Father, then we can come to each other, and then, then we can help others come to them, and we can hold each other together in community, in Christ. And this communion that we take is all about that. Our mission is reconciliation. Our mission is coming together. And the very act that we, that we have, the very thing that symbolizes that, this communion, it's important. It's a big deal. It's not just a little cup. It's not just a little piece of bread. It's the very act of Jesus dying for us. I'm gonna invite the worship team on up. Tonight's a little different. We, we changed up things up a little bit uh, because we wanted, we wanted thought to go into what we're doing when we take communion. People take communion differently all over the world. Uh, whether it's breaking off a piece of big chunks of bread or the way we do it or Sunday morning where we pass the plate, right? Um, and, and the same way, I, I, I told Chris, you know, it's, it's hard for me, I've been in church long enough now, it's hard for me to say communion without offering because it just kind of goes together, right? Because we do it, we always do it together, communion and offering, communion and offering. And we're gonna do that right now. And, and actually, that's what, that's our response time is gonna be tonight. Our response time is gonna be this time where we are gonna pray together as a body, then as a body, we're gonna take communion together. We're gonna, we're gonna, I'm gonna pray, and, and um, there's things in your, in your bulletin to be praying for people, uh, to be praying for people with family, right? If you've got prayer requests, we value them high, heavily. We, we pray for them as a staff. You can write them on, on a card. You can put that uh, on, in the basket or, or back in the prayer wall anytime. 
Um, if it's confidential, you want to say in, in the staff only, mark that. If not, we put it on a prayer chain so that the family can be praying for it. We, we, we value that we think God delights in hearing our prayers, delights in, in hearing our, our prayer needs. And when you're ready, whatever that means for you, you're invited to join us. There's two tables in the front, there's two tables in the back. Um, when your heart is ready to come before God, to declare Jesus as your Lord, to declare Jesus as the one who paid the price, who, who, who took the sacrifice, who absorbed the punishment, who died for the sin uh, so that you could be holy. When you're ready, then join us. And, and as we do that, then together, we come together as a body, uh, remembering those in other churches in our town, in our state, in this country, around the world. We are coming together as a body of believers, declaring the Lord, not so that we can keep it here, but so that we can go out on mission and, and, and reconcile others to God.